this morning, uh, we're actually, we've got two sermons left in our uh, study in First Peter. And uh, it has been an awesome study as we've kind of went verse by verse uh, through um, the book of First Peter. And, and uh, I was thinking about this message and, and how to uh, bring this all together. And, and, you know, we all have positions to play, whether it's in the church, whether it's in life, especially when we focus on sports, uh, you know, I, I love sports. You hear a lot of um, analogies. You haven't heard a, 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 a uh, Ohio State analogy like in the last several weeks. I'm still in mourning. I know, right? Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to leave those alone. Um, but, uh, you know, I was thinking about those different ones. And, and uh, I was thinking about a time that uh, playing sports, I failed to do my position. Now, it was hard because, you know, I'm perfect uh, in what I do. Um, no, that, that's not true. Uh, and the story is about to tell you one of those uh, times. And Aaron's like, I played once with him and I know better than that. Um, but uh, it was several years ago. We had made it. It was our co-ed team. We had made it to the championship game. And uh, we had been playing great the entire day. And uh, in that championship game, we were up against a team that was head and shoulders better than us. But we had just really been playing hard, and, and uh, the games are only seven innings. So it's not like we play a full nine-inning game, but uh, in, in, in slow-pitch softball, they only play seven innings. They try to keep them shorter, keep things moving along. Um, but we had actually made it, to, it was the ninth or tenth inning, and it was a one-to-one -one game. Now, most of the time in, in slow-pitch softball, the ball's coming in underhanded and slow. So everybody should be able to hit it. Um, and in this game, defense ruled the day because it was a one-to-one -one game. We were in the bottom of the ninth or the tenth inning. I can't remember what it was, but we were just playing awesome. And, and we go out there and it's like, okay, all we have to do is shut them down. We're going to go back in. We've got the top of our lineup coming up and, and we're going we're gonna to get finally maybe some runs. And that didn't happen because the pitcher, who will um, not be named, um, me, uh, walked in the game-winning run. Um, and, and that was hard. And it was something that was extremely difficult because we lost the game because I couldn't take a little round yellow ball and throw it to a certain point on the other side. All I had to do was throw a strike and make them hit it and let the defense play behind me. But... I didn't do it and walked in the winning run. And th that, that just made me feel so horrible. And that's kind of a trend last week uh, in, in our tournament. I didn't talk about it last week because it was still too hard. Um, I ended our tournament um, on a home run. We were out of home runs and uh, I hit one anyways. And uh, that ended our, our, our tournament streak uh, or, or play. So that was really hard. But I was thinking about all of that and, and I was thinking about in church, we have roles to play. And we have to make sure that we are doing our best in the role that God has given us. And don't get me wrong, we, we, we all make mistakes and we all fail in those roles that we have. But we need to strive to do our best within those roles that God has given us. And I want to just take a second and brag about um, our staff and our elders here at Stafford County Christian Church. I get to serve alongside uh, of four amazing 
men who serve as elders. We have Rob Notman. He was just up here. Um, and uh, we have uh, Rodney Womack. He's one of our uh, elders. Uh, he helps with the greeting outside. He helps with um, our realm accounts. He, he teaches our, uh, one of our life groups that the we still do. He's a part of that group. He leads that group. Um, we have Dan C., uh, very, very plugged into our men's group. He is one of our, our greeters out front as well. Um, and and J.R. Adkins. J.R. is uh, one of our elders. He is part of the, uh, um, the accounting financial team, and he does a, a fantastic job. And, and they, they have come together. They have been called by God to lead and shepherd this church. And it's so awesome to get to serve alongside of them. I have staff that um, they, they do amazing, amazing work. I have two ladies uh, that work for me, Christy and Lisa, and, and they do amazing work with our young people. Lisa leads our preschool, and, and she is always looking at ways that she can help expand our preschool program, that we can do a better job working with, you know, just how, how do we work with the infants? How do we streamline working with those two, three-year-olds, those four and fives? We've got to get them ready because they're going to be going into kindergarten, and we have to have them ready to go into Christy's area. And Christy, with our K through fifth grade, she just does Awesome work in the back, in the kids zone. They're just doing amazing work. Uh, Jared uh, is doing awesome work working along uh, with our youth and, and the amazing youth leaders that we have. And he just, he is doing such amazing work and, and he is pushing me and stretching me, bringing, bringing a younger guy in and, and he's, he's helping us do some amazing things. Uh, then we have Justin. Justin uh, came on two years ago as our worship director, and uh, he's been doing some pretty good work up leading us in, in our worship. Eh, it's been all right. Um, so he's in here this morning, so I, I, I'm, I'm going I'm to pick on him uh, right now. But no, Justin is doing amazing work uh, with our worship team. Um, and then, you know, he, if you're not, didn't know this, he is leading our LLC, uh, which is our young adults, those 20s and 30s. And, and we're having him work with our young adults and, and just, you know, being able to connect with them. And, and he's doing such an awesome job working in that. Kristen, we brought her in. Um, you know, we, we had Lorraine for 16 years, and Lorraine was she she did an awesome job over those 16 years. And and you know, we're bringing someone new in, and uh, all of that. It was how's that going to work? Uh, and Kristen has just hit the ground running. She's pushing us with the new programs and, and keeping us going and streamlining things. And she's just like, all right, Travis, that, that, that's about enough of that. Let's go. Come on. You know. And she's keeping us just constantly moving uh, in that admin role. So you know, I, I just wanted to stop for a second and brag on the amazing leadership team um, that you have in staff and the pastors. And I say all of that because as we dig into 1 Peter chapter 5, um, we're going to talk quite a bit about pastors. We're going to talk about elders. And, and, and the, today's message is leaders must follow. And, and that's so important for us uh, to be able to dig into. And as we look at 1 Peter chapter 5, um, Peter changes tone here just a little bit. So far, he's really been talking about persecution. He's talking about suffering. He's talking about, you know, being prepared for that end time, being prepared that when this life is over, that we're ready to go on to the next life. He's talked about all of that suffering and why we're called to suffer and, and because, you know, he suffered and, and he suffered because Christ suffered. But now he changes that tone just a little bit here in, in chapter 5. And, and what I want us to look at here is, is that the church must be fed and led. 
the church has been called to be fed and led. You see, in order to survive suffering, a church needs loving leaders. A church needs faithful followers. When each person on the team tackles his or her task in the kingdom, it is the kingdom that wins. So we have been called to do our positions and to play our positions well. Because when we do so, it is God's kingdom that ultimately wins. So this morning, as we break this down, we're going to look at the requirements, the responsibilities, the reward, and ultimately, what is our response? What is your response to all of this? So let's dig into what Peter says. Let's look at the requirements. Look at verse 1. So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Now, when you hear the word elder, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Yeah, old. Usually that's the first word that we hear. Sometimes it is preacher, sometimes it is pastor, but normally we, we, we just automatically think old. Well, there's, there's four different terms for the word elder, and the first one of those is um, an older person, not old, older person and some of you resemble that remark and some of you are like well you know for me you know when I remember when I was in my teens even when I was in my early 20s I saw somebody that was 40 and I went man they're old now that I'm 40 I look at and I'm older than 40 but when I'm 40 I looked around and saw other people that were 40 and I went man they're old because I'm not old and we all have those phases, right? Because that, that's just the way that it progresses. You know, to a 20-year-old, a 40 looks old. 40-year-old goes, 40's not old. That's 60 or 70 or 80. And, and once you're 60, you're like, that's not old. It's, it's the older. And we have that concept kind of built into us. But there's older people. There's also the Jewish elders. And, and when, you, um, when we read in the Old Testament, when we read in the Gospels, when we read about the elders... Those were the Jewish leaders of the time. Then there's the elders in the book of Revelation. When you go to Revelation chapter 4, verse uh, 4, it talks about the 24 elders that are sitting on thrones around the throne. But the one I want us to dig into, the one that really hits home is the spiritual mature leaders in the church. You see, the word elder uh, in the Greek is presbyteros. It's where we get our term for the church Presbyterian. The requirements for elders, they're fleshed out in much greater detail. So verses 1 through 5 kind of give us um, a little bit of insight of what it means to be an elder. But if you go to Titus chapter 1, and if you go to 1 Timothy chapter 3, it really breaks down and it lays out all uh, of those requirements uh, of what it means um, to be an elder. And it's used synonymously with, with pastor as well. And I like that Peter says here, I, I love this, he says, to the elders among you. Now that's interesting because what we see here is a pattern that it's not about that, that these elders are high and lifted up. It's not like they've been exalted and put on pedestals. But they're among you. They're right in the mix of everything that's going on. I love that. 
And related to this, Peter refers to himself as what? He says, I am a fellow elder. I love that. You know, he didn't pull rank as well. He could have. He, he could have said, well, you know, um, I'm the first pope. Now, he didn't do that because we didn't have a pope back then. But what we do have is, is Peter saying here that not only fellow elders among you, he calls himself a fellow elder. What that tells us is that he doesn't pull that rank and say, well, I'm not an elder, I'm an apostle. I'm one of God's chosen men. No, he doesn't do that. He says, hey, I'm, I'm right there in the midst, in the mix with you. I'm going through trials. I'm being thrown into prison. As, as he writes all of this to this church that is suffering these horrible things, he's able to say, I'm, I'm right in the midst of everything that you're dealing with as well. I'm a partner in the ministry. And he says that he, it's, he exhorts. Now when he says this, it means to warn, to counsel, to encourage. You see, the main requirement for an elder is to have a close personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Now all of us should want that and strive for that. But the number one rule for an elder is that they have that personal close relationship with Jesus Christ. In Peter's own experience, he was a witness of the sufferings of Christ. As well as a partaker of the glory that is going to be revealed. You see, he witnessed, he was there when Jesus went through those horrible, horrible moments in his life. But he was also a partaker in the coming glory. He was there on the Mount of Transfiguration when when Jesus was completely changed. When that happened, he got just a small glimpse of the glory of God. And he says, hey, I'm I'm a partaker right along with you. That's why he's preparing these people. It's why he's preparing us as we even read it today. In 2020, as we read these words, he was a fellow partaker with us. And he says, be prepared, be ready. Again, one of the, one of the best parts of being at SCC is being able to serve alongside of some great, great men. Elders of Dan and J.R. Rob. Rodney, four amazing men that are leading us today, shepherding this flock. But what else I love is that we've had men that have come before them as well. When I first got here, it was, it was Lance, it was Paul, Kim, and Tony who have been leading this church. And one of the things that I absolutely love as well is that we're not just sitting around Going, well, we've got our leaders and that's all we need. No, we're constantly praying. We're constantly looking. We're, we're constantly trying to um, ask, who is the next leaders in this church? Who will lead Stafford County Christian Church into the future? Not just worried about 2020. Not just worried about 2021. But looking, hey, where's this church going to be in 2050? How are we making sure that this church today is set up for future success. I love that. It's important to me that we're constantly looking for those future leaders. 
You know, we again, we have a long list of, of qualifications. If you go to First Peter chapter five that we're in, if you go to Titus chapter one, if you go to um, again First Timothy chapter three, but there's really two that really just stick out to me. A disciple of Jesus Christ who personifies a growing relationship with him and demonstrates a genuine love and passion for serving the Lord. Like that's number one. And number two is someone who meets the biblical qualifications that I've already laid out. Like those are the two main requirements. What about the responsibilities? What are the responsibilities? Some of you may even be asking this. What, what exactly do our elders do anyways? Well, let's break down some of those responsibilities. Look at verses 2 through 3. Peter says, Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. We could kind of summarize it this way by, by three main points. To feed, lead, and heed. The first one, let's dig in, to feed. The primary job of a shepherd is to care for and feed the sheep. I absolutely love that people are, are, are referred to as the flock of God that is among you. Basically, elders, shepherds, shepherd the sheep of God. Peter uses the same word that Jesus spoke on the beach back in in John chapter 21. In John chapter 21, we see Jesus coming um, and they catch an amazing catch of fish. And Peter, remember what he has done. The last time that he really saw Jesus was when he denied him three times. And he was really concerned and he was really worried of how Jesus was going to handle this. I mean, he had a lot of regrets for what he did. And he was kind of concerned about what was going to happen. And Jesus comes up to him. And Jesus and Peter have this amazing conversation in, in John chapter 21. And Peter uses the same word there that Jesus uses when he says, Tend my sheep. Feed my sheep. I want to make sure that you understand this. This is not my church. The church that meets at 1813 Mountain View Road is not Travis's church. It's not your elder's church. It's not your church. It's God's church. And we need to make sure that we always remember that. That this is not about us. It's not about our egos. This is about making sure that we are spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ and spreading it right here locally. It's not about our glory. It's about His. And there, there, there's a lot that we could say about sheep. And I've talked quite a bit about sheep in the past, raising them and all of that. But really, two words will suffice about sheep. Number one, they're vulnerable. And number two, most importantly, they're valuable. As sheep, you are valuable to your great shepherd. You are valuable to God. I love how tender Jesus is in Luke chapter 12, verse 32. He turns and he looks at the people and there's anxiety and there's a lot of things just going on in their minds. And he turns and he says, do not fear 
little flock. Jesus says, do not fear. And he would say the same thing to you. And and Peter is trying to say the same thing to those Christians that were dealing with the persecution and the trials and the sufferings that they were in that first century. I was reading this passage uh, uh, that Peter breaks down, and I shared it with our elders. We had an elders meeting on Thursday, and I shared uh, this passage with them. And then I also said, hey, uh, make sure you read Ezekiel chapter 34. Because in Ezekiel chapter 34, God is talking about the shepherds and things they weren't doing. And things that, you know, I was basically telling our elders, hey, let's make sure that we don't fall into this trap as well. And really, there's six things that are brought up to those shepherds back in uh, Ezekiel chapter 34. And I want to share them with you today. The hungry, he says, you have not fed them. The weak, you have not strengthened them. The sick, you have not healed them. The injured, you have not bound them up. The strayed, you have not brought back. The lost, you have not sought. As shepherds, we need to make sure that we are feeding our flock. Secondly, lead. After feeding, we need to make sure that we're leading. Exercising oversight. That's what Peter says. The word is also translated as bishop and is interchangeable interchangeable with elder. It has the idea of being a watchman or being a guardian. To gaze upon something is what it means. When we really get down to it, it has the idea of looking at something carefully. Looking at something through a microscope or a telescope, really gazing upon it. You see, as such, pastors and elders need to see the big picture, but they also need to get down to the details. They need to see the big picture that's laid out there as they're visioning and they're seeing where we go in the future. But it's not just about looking at all of that on that high level. It's also about making sure that we're looking at those little details, that we're making sure that we are leading the sheep closely. I'm reminded of what Proverbs 27 verse 23 says. It says, know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds. And then we drop down to verse 3. We see that last one, heed. But being examples to the flock. You see the pastor, the shepherd, the elder, the overseer must make sure that they are being a good example. They're being a good example. The word example is quite descriptive because it means to strike, to leave a mark, to leave an imprint. We need to make sure that we are leaving an imprint. For those of you with children, make sure that you are thinking about that. That example of leaving a mark on your children. Not physically. <laughs> I thought about that. My, my daughter yesterday, uh, Jaden, my youngest daughter, she needs a new set of glasses. And uh, we tease each other, we joke around all the time, and she is just downright mean to me. And uh, we were inside of the iStore, and um, she just looks at me, and I don't know if I said something to her or what, I was, I, I joked about the size of the frames that she put on, and she just hauls off and just punches me right in the gut. I mean, just hard. 
And uh, I turned and I just pushed her back, you know, and Teresa goes, stop, they've got cameras in here. I was like, she hit me first. Um, but, so don't leave that type of an imprint, all right? But leave a mark. Make sure that you are being an example to your children. And the same thing is true when it comes to the leadership of our church. And I know that I'm talking specifically, Peter is talking specifically to pastors and elders and shepherds of the flock. But if you are leading people in this church, and I don't care if you're working with the two and three year olds. I don't care if you're working with the seventh and eighth graders. I don't care if you're working, teaching one of the life groups. Make sure that at the end of the day that you are leaving an imprint, that you are being an example for those that are around you. It's so important. Make sure that you are leading. Now, we've broken, we've broken down those three positives. But then as we look at verses 2 and 3, there's, there's three negatives as well. Now, I'm going to state these three negatives in a positive way to where we really see them the way they should be. Delight, not duty. We're told not to serve under compulsion, but willingly. That's important. Because we get to do this job. This isn't some job that I do for a paycheck. It's not something that I have to do. Our elders are the same exact way. Guess what? They don't get a paycheck. Even though they could be entitled to so because of what Paul says in First Timothy. But they do it because they get to. I share a, a personal story with you. Um, almost five years, over five years ago now. Uh, I was, uh, five years ago now. Um, I was let go from my previous uh, church. I wasn't given a reason why. We won't get into all the details and everything that happened. But... They didn't give me a reason. They just said, hey, Travis, we don't think that uh, you should be the pastor here anymore. And I went, okay. And it was really hard. And it was like, it was deep pain because I didn't have the answers. And, and at the end of the day, um, I told you last week, um, Teresa is my monitor. She is the one that, that I really listened to uh, in my life. And she had been telling me for a year um, that it was time to go. And finally, God just said, hey, Travis, it's time to go. And, uh, you know, I wondered and I worried and I tried to figure it all out. God was leading me here. And I mean that. Um, we, we absolutely love it here. But it was hard in the moment. And I remember after my sulking and the depressive state that I kind of went through and all of that, Teresa looked at me and she says, I need to know. What are we doing? Are we staying in the ministry or are we going back and running the family farm? And I looked up at her without any hesitation and I said, staying in the ministry. And that night, started sending out my resume. Started working on it first and then got it sent out right away. Because it was time to, to, to do what I get to do. I love doing what I get to do. Listen, if somebody won the lottery and set me up, because I don't play the lottery, because that's you know, but if one of y'all won the lottery and you set me up, I wouldn't take a payment from this church because I get to do what I get to do. And I love it. If my mother-in-law hit the lottery and she just said, hey, Travis, here's your money. I do this because I get I love doing what I get to do. But at the end of the day, I got a bill. Many of them, actually. Um, but I, I love doing what I get to do. Our staff loves doing what they get to do. It's not a have to. 
Delight, not duty. Number two, ministry, again, not money. Don't do it for shameful gain. The word eager, eagerly, has a strong and urgent desire to be filled with zeal to serve. Loving, not lording over. You see, leaders shouldn't function as lords over God's sheep. That's not what it's about. The Apostle Paul put it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 24. Not that we have dominion over your faith, but are fellow workers for your joy, for by faith you stand. And the word in charge means allotted portion. God's, God assigns shepherds to certain sheep. And in the church, we have um, a program that we use. It's called Realm. Um, and, and I encourage you that if you don't have an account in Realm, please get one. Um, and if you're not for sure how to set it up, um, out in the foyer afterwards, I have a tablet out there. And I would love to capture your information if you don't have a Realm account. Uh, for some of you that have been coming for a long time, you've received five or six invitations to Realm. And you have um, ignored those. Um, You need to stop. You need to fill one of those out, please. Um, But we're going to be doing a lot of awesome things in Realm. Um, Our life groups are listed in there. We have uh, sign-up things that are inside of there. Um, That's where you can do uh, your online giving. It is through Realm by making one of those accounts. Um, But inside of Realm as well is a directory. And we're going to be breaking that directory down to where you will have a shepherd that is over you. You will have one of the elders that is over you in the way in which that if you have an issue or a problem, if you're in the hospital or or you need something that you'll be able, you, you can always call the office. But you will have direct contact to all of our elders. And it's not like, well, you can only contact this elder No, that's not what it's about. But it's about making contact. And and here's the thing. We've talked quite a bit about this. You've heard us talk so much about life groups and how important they are. This is the same exact thing. As we grow, as we continue to grow size, number-wise, we have to make sure that we're growing smaller as well. And that happens by knowing who is your elder, who you can contact with, who you can have that direct contact with. You know, when I see these verses, I read verses 1 through 5 here, and I read Titus chapter 1 as I read uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3. These verses apply to me as a minister, as a pastor as well. And I have to always make sure that I'm remembering that, that I have to meet all of these qualifications. And it also reminds me that I need to make sure that I'm living on mission That I am on mission every day, not just at Stafford County Christian Church, but in Stafford County as well. That I'm making sure that I'm making contacts wherever I go. And you have been called to do the same thing. Our elders have been called to do the same thing as well. That we are taking every advantage that we possibly can to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, to grow His church. The reason because of all of this is because of the reward. Two weeks ago, we talked a lot about that. I just want to hit on it for just a second here. There's a great reward that is coming. Verse 4 says, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Peter says, not if, but when he returns. He is coming back. 
Now, some of us will pass on before he comes back. But even if we pass on, we still get this awesome reward. And that is what we and he is called the chief shepherd and he gives the crown of glory. What an awesome symbol of special honor that we receive. Then it brings us to our response. What's our response in all of this? You know, there's only few who serve as as elders. I, I mentioned right now we only have four elders. We're always looking for more. We always want to expand that. And if you're interested in what it means to become an elder, if you, hey, I want to know more about these qualifications and all that, you can talk to me. You can reach out to one of our elders. We would love to talk with you and make sure that we're always looking um, to expand what God is laying out before us. But while there's few that serve as elders, that serve as, as pastors, that are on staff at Stafford County Christian Church, every Every Christian, each one of you who are in here today, have been called to be a contributor. You have been called to be part of the family of God. You see, we've been saved to serve. Every person has a position to play in this family. You see, we seek Jesus so that we can lead others, that we can then deploy them into His service. And then guess what? We get to do it all over again. That's what we've been called to do. Verse 5 gives the response. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. The word subject means to place under in an orderly fashion. It's a military term describing troop division. Being underneath of the authority and the rank of the leader. You see, it's an attitude of respect and recognition of rank. You know, it's not always easy to fall in line and fall underneath of the authority of someone else, is it? It's kind of hard. We don't always like to be able to do that. We don't want to do so. But that's what we have been called to do. All of us have been called to do so. You see, as we pick up the next part of verse 5, we see that we're to submit to serve one another. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. You see, to be clothed with humility, it literally means to tie something in a knot. It basically means to put on your clothes and make sure that nothing is exposed. It's the idea of suiting up to be ready to go with the team. Our model for this is found in John 13, verse 4, when Jesus was in the upper room with his disciples and he was waiting for, for this to happen. No one was getting up to do it. And Jesus was like, okay, it's time to set the example. And he got off, he got up, took off his outer, his outer clothing and he put a towel around his waist and he started to serve. That is the example that we have been called to do. From top to bottom, all in between, we have all been called to serve. And by, verse 5 concludes with the reason we're to submit to our leaders as we humbly serve each other. For God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Now Peter here is, is quoting from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 34. And the word opposes is very strong. It is to set an army in array against. 
it means that we, and it's in the present tense, meaning that we should always be prepared and, and that God is always against the arrogance. We should always be prepared and humble. That is what it means. All of us. So let's call a family meeting. How many of you have ever had family meetings? Some of you? Yeah. We have family meetings. Um, we just had one this past Monday. We uh, were called and asked if we would uh, consider bringing another young lady into our house through the foster care system. And it took a lot of prayer, and Teresa and I prayed a lot about it. I had some of you praying for us along that path of what we were called to do. Um, and before we made our decision, we brought the entire uh, family together. I brought all, all the kids in, and I said, hey, I need to know, what do you guys think? It's not just about what your mom and I think. It's not just about what I think. We want to know what, because this is a family decision of what we will make happen. And we had to make that as a family. Now, thankfully, the young lady was placed uh, in another home, um, unbeknownst to us. Um, she was already placed, and she is doing uh, very well where she is at. But we had to have that meeting. I want us to have a little bit of a church family meeting right now. The first thing that I want us to talk about is that we're all on the same team. We're all on the same team. We may be different ages. We may be of different backgrounds. We may be of, of different color or race. We may be different gender. We are different gender. We're of, of, all, we're, we're of different um, backgrounds when it comes to our economic standings. We're on the same team. We have differences of what we believe is happening right up north on 95. But we're all on the same team when it comes to the love of Jesus Christ. And we need to make sure that we always hold on to that. And we need other generations to help us grow. In Acts chapter 2, verse 17, Peter quotes from the prophet Joel. And he says, in the last days, God will pour out his spirit. And your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. And that's what we need to make sure that we are doing here today as well. So with that, um, I'm going to ask um, a few different people to come up. Miss Ann, would you be willing to come up for me, please? Okay. So I'm going to have Miss Ann come up. And uh, I'm going to ask Jayana if she'll come up here for me, please. You don't have to answer anything. No questions, I promise. No questions. No questions. Um, let's see. Um, let's see. Stephen, come on up here. Any one more? Bill, I'm pretty sure you fall into my category. Come on up here. You're, you're not old, you're older. I'm going to put you way over here on this other side. Now, as you see, um, we have four different age groups on the stage. Representing um, Generation Z, Millennial, Generation X, and then Boomer. And we have all different age groups. And as you see, the, they're, they're, they're separated 
by a little bit of space. And many times that's what happens. As we feel like we just have to have that space between us. But I'm going to ask you all to kind of just scoot your chairs together. Because one of the first things, just everybody move towards Anne so she doesn't have to move. That's, there we go. <laughs> but as, as they all move together, that's the first thing that we need to see happening in the church. But now, I want you guys to all stand up. We're going to play a little musical chairs. I'm not going to take one from you. I just want you to flip spots. I don't care what order, just flip spots for me. First service did the same thing, I'll tell you. So go ahead, you guys can have a seat again. This is the next thing that we have been called and that we need to make sure that we are doing. Is that we are remembering that we come from different age groups, that we come from different backgrounds, and we need to make sure that we are sitting in someone else's place. We need to make sure that that we are looking at other people's views. Because especially in church, we have people that come together, that become friends, that would probably never become friends if they were just in the normal world. But we have this, all of these different backgrounds, and we need to make sure that we are always holding on and remembering that very fact. You know, I'm, I'm very proud of our church. Because as I look at our church, we have different ages and we come again from different races and we come from different colors and we come from different backgrounds and economic standards and all of those things that we've talked about and i look out here and and i'm just i'm proud because i see the diversity that we have in the body you know there's many churches that that they don't want to switch spots they say, we, we are a church that is there for the baby boomers, and we're going to sing hymns, and that's it, and we really don't want you young people coming in. We have other churches that say, well, we're only for the, the Z and um, the X, and that's really all about we want. And we don't even want those millennials in our church. We do have churches that are nothing, I'm, I'm just teasing you. There's a lot of churches that are just about the millennials, just about Z. And they're like, hey, um, we're going to have a rock concert every single Sunday and we're going to black out the whole stage and we're going to turn the lights down low and we're going to have a light show and and we're just going to sing all of these new modern songs. And if you like those old hymns and you like that other stuff and if you fall into those other categories, we really don't want you at our church. We have other churches that say, well, we're a, we're, we're, we're a, we're a generation X church and, and we really, we're the forties and fifties and, and, uh, we liked it when we went away from hymns. Um, but we just want to be contemporary. We don't want to be modern and we don't want to be just hymns. We're going to sing all of the old Chris Tomlin songs from like the nineties and the two thousands and that's it. We don't want to go backwards, but we don't want to go forwards. We changed enough. But I'm thankful that we have a church, that God has called us, that we reach all generations. As I talked about our, our life groups um, uh, in the past, um, Rob talked about this, the Bereans, that they are, they are open-minded. They, they have all ages in, in their group. Uh, we have the Melting Pot, the other Friday night group. Uh, they called themselves the Melting Pot for that very reasons, because they have uh, different ages. They have all of those different things that meet in their group. And that's what we need to make sure that we are striving for every single day. And at the end of the day, this is what I'd like you to do. Just kind of over in the corner, just huddle up for me. 
Just huddle up. Because this is what we've been called to do. Not sit in separate seats. But to make sure that we're just, we're huddling together. (laughs) That we are communicating with one another. I mean, it's easy to sit in, in a row like this. But are we coming together? Are we bonding? Thank you guys so much. You guys can go back to your seats. <laughs> you know, we have been called to make sure that we are allowing everyone to be a part of our team. You know, I, I think about, again, just that sports that's inside of me. In less than a month, in less than 30 days, pitchers and catchers report to spring training for baseball. For those of you that love baseball, you're like, yes, football's finally over. But I think about that, but it reminds me back to what I talked about at the beginning, to be a part of a team and to play your position well. If you're a pitcher, it's hard to be a pitcher and play the outfield. If you're you're a first baseman, you're probably not going to be the best left fielder on the team. Well, if you feel that God is calling you to serve in whatever ministry that He's calling you to serve in, then that's where you've been called, and you need to play your position well. For some of you, you're really not you're not really playing a position right now. You're just kind of sitting on the sidelines. It's time to get involved. It's time to find that place that you serve and we have so many areas to serve in we have that leadership that we've talked about we have all of the different areas that you can work in with with our young people we have an awesome prayer team we have a building and grounds team we have areas for you to serve and it may be something that we don't have right now and you say hey travis i I think that this, this is my area that I love to serve in. I'm like, let, let, let's, let's really look into that. Because we have an area to serve in and we need to make sure that we're serving however we've been called. I have one last scripture for you. It's Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 through 21. We read there, Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do His will, working in you what is well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. You know, for some of you, it's been hard to be a part of the team you're broken and you need Jesus to put you back together for some of you you, you, there's just some little cracks but you've been held together by super glue and you need Jesus to come into your life and just to help you be put back together to rescue you to save you Others of you right now, you're like, Travis, there isn't like one or two cracks. I I feel like I've been dropped on the floor and I'm in a million pieces and I don't know if I could ever put it back together again. Trust in Jesus. He is your chief shepherd. He will lead you. He will feed you. He is.
has set the example for you and will bring you together. He will put you back together again. Call on Him to rescue you. There may be someone here this morning that you're listening to all of this and your life is a mess and you're not for sure what it means to be put back together and you need to know more about who Jesus is and what He has done for you to accept His love. Right now, you can accept that. If you need prayer in your life, if you need someone to talk to, just to listen to, I'm going to be in the back and some of my elders, they're going to be in the back with me and we'd love to talk with you, to, to pray with you, to help you. Whatever decision you have to make, will you make it as we continue our worship? Please stand.